Say hello to a new era of mental health care. Cerebral is here to help you achieve your mental wellness goals with professional therapy and medication management support. 100% online. You'll experience the all-new Cerebral way, an innovative approach to mental wellness designed around you. You'll get a personalized treatment plan from a therapist, prescriber, or both in a safe and judgment-free space. Your cerebral therapist or prescriber will outline a customized plan with clear milestones along the way, so you can get to feeling your best. With Cerebral, you're not alone in your mental health journey. We're here to empower you to live a fulfilling life. So take that first step towards a brighter future and sign up today at Cerebral.com slash podcast and use code ACAST to get 15% off your first month. Offer only valid on monthly plans. Other exclusions may apply. Offer ends July 31st, 2024. See site for details. Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. Recently, I asked Mint Mobile's legal team if big wireless companies are allowed to raise prices due to inflation. They said yes. And then when I asked if raising prices technically violates those onerous two-year contracts, they said, what the f*** are you talking about, you insane Hollywood ass. So to recap, we're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. Hello and welcome to the Watford FC Buzz podcast. Um, delighted to be back again. Um, Jordan and Tom are here. First of all, Tom, thank you very much for, for taking over the, the show uh, with your steady hand and giving us something after uh, a very a decent start to the season with that victory over Sheffield. Hey, very welcome. It was nice to be able to just give 30 minutes of pure, unfiltered opinion um, and not have to listen to anyone else's. But no, it's good to be back. Good to be all of us. <laughs> You normally just fast forward our parts and you listen back anyway. Yeah, you? that's it. Yeah, I'm oh, just such a massive egocentric <laughs> maniac. I love the sound of my own voice. <laughs> Half speed as well. Oh, dear. Yeah. <laughs> now I, I said that um, just at the top of the show there that we had a we had a good start against Sheffield United. And there were very good periods. There was also maybe a few offish moments, but it's the first game of the season. But then going into West Brom. It uh, it wasn't maybe the the, the best game and, and you know you came away feeling that we we maybe stole a point there. What do you think? Yeah, I think undoubtedly it was a point stolen, wasn't it? We were pretty terrible. Well, so maybe terrible is a slight bit harsh. We weren't we weren't great. We were we weren't great at all actually. Uh, we struggled to impose ourselves at all in possession. We conceded a lot of chances and by all accounts, uh, West Brom should have comfortably beaten us in. On most occasions, I'm sure they probably would have based on that performance. We've learnt quite a lot from those two games, haven't we? Uh, particularly um, Dan Backman showing that uh, he is perhaps deserving of that uh, of that number one shirt that people were questioning at the start of the season after some you know, fantastic saves that kept us in the game, really, in that West Brom fixture. I think with Backman, his shot stopping's probably never been called into question. There was the goal against Tottenham last year, wasn't there, which was soft, I think, the, the, the Son free kick from out wide. But even that's not really shot-stopping in, insofar as it was a free kick situation. Um, the ball situation, I think it's the other things, you know, the coming off his line and the command of his area, which, to be honest with you, I think come with games and age anyway. And, you know, I've, I've personally never had an issue with him being the number one. I thought he was probably quite harshly dropped last year. I certainly don't think Ben Foster did any better. Uh, so I'm quite happy to see him see him back in it. But yeah, some really, really good saves um, in, in the West Brom game. couple that were probably fairly routine and kind of got built up a bit because of the, the fact that he'd had to make a few. But it's, uh, I think, certainly down to him that we, we were able to nick a point. Yeah, definitely. What do you think will, will happen with uh, Maduka Okoye? Do you think it's likely he'll be kept around as, as the second choice keeper or, or do you think it's more uh, beneficial for Watford to look at um, maybe getting him out on loan? What, what, what do you think is going to happen there, Jordan? Uh, honestly, I'm keeping him around. If I'm, if, if I'm in charge of that situation, mm. I'm keeping him around. Um, you know, Ben Hamer's obviously making the bench right now just because of homegrown rules, but 
I don't think we expect the the current front three to be the current front three come the end of this transfer window. So that's going to open up a space. Okay, so if, if if so if that current front three does stay, which we'll get into, that does that change your opinion of that mm. of that subject? Potentially, unless we strengthen, unless we for, for example bring in a homegrown centre back and and not including someone like Cavaselli into the match day squad or or something like that, we have to kind of jiggle things or juggle, jiggle things, juggle things around a little bit uh, to find that spot. But I think. You know, it's, it's entirely possible that Okoye breaks his way into the first team uh, and, and finds has an opportunity, you know, whether that's through cup appearances or injury for Backman or, or anything in the situation arises where things can change. And I, I think I want to have the best that we have available to us. Uh, you know, we're not going to make a fee on him, so there's no short-term gain from learning him out in a sense. You know, we're talking about some wages perhaps, but it's still rare to be minor in the grand scheme of things. So I think just give Rob the... Give Rob every opportunity we can to have the best players available to him and let him make good decisions. Is it ideal for him to be sat on the bench? No, it's not. You want him playing. But uh, for the main objective is promotion. I think we've got to look at that first. And I think having the best player available helps that. And Akoi is a strong backup to, to have there and the potential starter. You've had a good chance to look at a couple of games now um, in, within the league. And I suppose the question is, can you tell us what Watford's tactical setup is and where it's working and and where it's not working and and if you feel as though they need to add or change that setup going forward now that you've seen mm. you know how how strong or how weak different areas are yeah i mean i think what you can see from from the beginning is we we're trying to replicate or rob is trying to replicate many of the principles which he did which he followed at at forest green rovers uh, off the ball looking to win the ball back quickly uh, be aggressive in the press be smart in the press. Uh, don't spend much time without the ball, or at least without chasing the ball, turning it back over. Uh, we're not going to be passive off the ball. That's the plan anyway. And then offensively, you've got to try and work the ball forward into space, have creativity going forwards, get nice lots of runs from the wing backs, have that support, uh, and find ways to get balls into the box and shots on goal. It's it's not it's not overly complicated at times. There are some there are some kind of more intricate details, kind of use of the outside centre backs and so on. But I think the real kind of evident thing from these opening two games is. We're really in a, a tactical limbo right now, whether that's down to a, a few square, peg, square pegs and round holes. Um, for example, the outside centre-backs we're playing, um, struggling a little bit, especially in the right, to adapt. Um, obviously, two wing-backs that we're playing. One's a left wing-back playing on the right, and the other one's you know, kind of playing a new-ish position. Uh, I know he's had some minutes there, but still, it's not his naturally natural position and then you've also got other factors like the front three you know Rob Edwards has the ability to play in a in a 3-4-3 uh, but the issue is are we set up for it squad wise apart from the players occupying that front three not really and um, the, the two in midfield are struggling to progress the ball forwards and centre backs are also struggling so we're we're finding it difficult to retain possession and actually kind of pull together all these aspects we're looking to do so there's a lot to move around still and much of that relies on the window but it also relies on kind of seeing how we can adjust and fit the squad that, that Rob's actually inherited, as opposed to perhaps some of the things he, he might have thought he'd have by now. So we saw some of those weaknesses being exploited against West Brom. Um, can, mm-hmm. can we go through some of those? Yeah, for sure. And we kind of when we looked ahead to the to the West Brom game. The thing that was I kind of thought was the main standout for us is difference between this and Sheffield United. We're playing against wingers and fullbacks. They're going to have some some support on those wide areas we're going to have to be quite smart in how we how we defend the wing backs but but naturally when that does happen you have that two-on-one situation the wing back the person that's coming to help the player that's coming to help that that wide defensive situation is the outside center back so suddenly your your center backs are then playing in a completely different zone to where you'd expect them to play and I think that's something we have to be cognizant of when it comes to discussing these these players at center back we shouldn't really discuss them I think as, as center backs in the traditional sense um, it's a hybrid sort of position, the same way that we differentiate between uh, a right back and a right wing back. And outside centre back is a different role. And I think you look at those players that we have there right now, I think it's quite fair to say that the ones that are playing there aren't naturally suited to that. So they're then asked to do a quite different job. And I thought we were exposed a little bit there, uh, not just out of possession, but also in possession. You've got to play at a, a tempo and a speed um, and incisiveness that you can. You have to get the ball forwards and we were too quick to give up possession in those phases. We weren't quick enough to, um, to, to play the ball into the, into the forward areas. And then if we did, uh, the midfield alongside that was also struggling to progress the ball and get the ball to that front three. We talked about previously these games, not even after the Sheffield United game, how dangerous that front three can be. 
But the issue is you've got to have them all, you've got to have them all involved in the game. If they're not actually involved, uh, if they're not getting onto the ball, then it's very hard to it's very hard to do so. And we, we saw the, the the difficulties we had in doing that against West Brom in particular, where we only averaged well, not average, so we only had 30% possession over the whole game. Right, okay. So in a in an ideal world, you would improve that by changing the personnel in those positions that aren't being able to fulfil the requirements that you, you're you you're specifying now. Yeah, yeah, I, I think I think so. I think you've got kind of, got, effectively you've got two options. Well, in, well, it depends what position group you're talking about. Centre-backs, I think we need to change personnel uh, to give us the best chance of, of adapting there and, and just yeah. the outside centre backs, or, or yeah, I think Serialta has done very well. I think I know he's maybe got an injury now, but I think Serialta has been has been the the best part of that defensive unit. Uh, obviously, getting the wing backs playing on the correct side helps. So that might kind of personnel wise mean bringing in the outside centre back. We've talked about you know, p- potential help there. We might have some help there in Mario Gaspar on the right, um, and then the right wing back situation also has to be addressed in order to provide the balance we need. Um, you know, we're talking about the most important position on the on the pitch for for Rob Edwards is those outside, you know, those wing backs. Sorry. And they have to be addressed quickly. So getting the best players, you know, situated there as early as possible is key. And then the midfield too. Uh, the midfield two aren't. We, we kind of knew that we know their issues going into the season. We hoped for a little bit more from Kiembe. It's still early days. We're not going to get too on his back or anything. But he's not been a difference maker in that midfield in terms of possession. Obviously, we're waiting for loser to come back in. Hopefully, he can be that. Uh, but when they're playing with a front three in front of them, suddenly their role is quite different. The 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 opportunities they have in possession are maybe a little bit more difficult. Um, and whilst they can play simply, in some regards, they're going to have more access to the wings uh, with that front three that we've been playing with and also the wing-back support once they're there. Um, it, it should be relatively simple for them to play the ball, but they're not really doing so. They're not functioning quite as you'd hope. And it's debatable as to why that is in terms of the individual. You know, Tom Cleverly, there's debate about his age and is he, is he a bit past it? And then Canby, is he good enough? And so on. Mm-hmm. Um, these are all, you know, valid questions to be asked. But if you've got a front three that we have, then you should be testing teams a little bit more than we've been able to do, in example, for example, against West Brom. And that's simply because we could not get the ball to them. Uh, and, and that's not something this Rob, Rob Edwards side is trying to do. It's, it's, um, it's, a team that, it's a team that relies on, it's a, it's a structure that relies on the ball in the opposition third, not just for attacking, but also if you're going to win the ball back and turn balls over and be aggressive in the press, you have to start hurt the pitch. And if you're not hurt the pitch to begin with, it's very hard to do so. Tom, uh, as Jordan was saying there, your your namesake uh, cleverly has has come into uh, a lot of criticism. Uh, is it fair, firstly, and um, what can can be done about it? I think there is an aspect with Tom Cleverley of people, you know, sharpening the knives before the season started. So as soon as he wasn't, you know, Hoddle, Cruyff, Platini, Zidane, Claude Makélélé, any other great midfielder of their generation rolled into one, um, he was going to be a disgrace. But he very evidently has a limited lifespan, I think, in midfield for us. I think we've long known that on the ball he's not the best and that has been very evident in the two games so far. Has Rob Edwards basically shot himself in the foot by appointing him as his captain? Does he feel like he has to pick him? No, I don't think so because I just don't think there's anyone else there at the moment and I do believe that the second he's got another midfielder, hello Hamza Chowdhury, they will, you know, he will look at that. You know, you look at those midfielders at the moment. Um, Imran loses injured. Dan Gosling is essentially fairly similar in my mind to Tom Cleverley. Yasser Espria is more of an attack-minded midfielder, new to this country. Mm. And Lee, Keener. Um, and, and the one hope that, that we had, uh, you know, if you know reports on Twitter are to believe, is that um, Delhi Bashiru may have picked up an injury that is potentially serious and if that is the truth then yeah that could be you know quite bad certainly hope not because he was one i was you know although he defies my um my belief that if you leave watford on loan you're dead to watford <laughs> um he was the one i was hoping would come back and uh, and have a real go this season and and you know probably break in and because the center midfield is weak get a lot of opportunities um so if that is the case, and I'm sure we'll we'll know as soon as the club know the the full extent of whatever's happened, um, that that's a real blow because I do I do think he's he's got something to add or had something to add to central midfield. No, Cleverly's not been great. <sighs> he's he's going to be Tom Cleverly. I think he's a good player to have around in terms of his leadership, 
and what have you. I certainly don't want him playing 90 minutes every week. I think he's a good player to bring on and, you know, help see out games. But, you know, he's running around like a bit of a, I don't want to say headless chicken, that's a bit harsh, but, you know, just in terms of getting to things late, being out of position, you know, and then when he gets on the ball, it's not great. It's not news, so I can't get I can't get worked up about it. There's certainly, um, you know, a cause for concern there if it's not addressed, but we obviously signed Hamza Chowdhury today. And it would never surprise me if they did something else in midfield now, if if Tom Deli Bashiru is indeed injured. Um and once Imran Loser gets back, then the picture looks the picture looks different. You know, he feel to me he feels like a stopgap uh for now and I can I can live with that. But I'm I'm not buying this oh Rob Edwards is gonna play him every week because he's made him captain. You know, you can you can you can be a captain without being on the field every week for me. What's your opinion, Tom, of the of the Hamza Chowdhury signing? Do you think it's a positive one? Yeah, I do. He's he's young, relatively speaking. It's an area we needed to address. He's homegrown. We've got that option to buy, which means it's not just a case of, you know, giving him minutes and kind of fattening him up for for sale for Leicester. Um, my concern, I guess, is you know he's obviously not played very many minutes at all in the last couple of seasons for Leicester. Only sort of mm-hmm. um, six hundred minutes, which is you know absolutely nothing in the, in the league. I should say that is less than a thousand minutes the season before that. But he's, you know, he's all the kind of things that probably Tom Cleverly was in his pomp, you know, combative, energetic, works incredibly hard, you know, a lot of stamina, just runs around. But I think, you know, from the bits I've watched of him today, I didn't watch as much as I'd like to, but I watched, you know, 10 or 15 minutes of my wife's game. And I thought the thing that surprised me watching him was his his intent to get forward and, and drive forward, you know, move the ball quite quickly. So... Yeah, I, he seems like an, un, an unexciting signing, I think, because, you know, it's basically a guy that's on the periphery at Leicester. Uh, but it wasn't that long ago he was being talked about in, you know, terms of being someone that would cost quite a few quid after he burst onto the scene at Leicester. And I think he ticks some boxes that we needed to tick. So, yeah, I'm, I'm fairly, fairly pleased. I'd still like to see an out-and-out creator signed to play in there so that we're not kind of reliant on losers range of passing and vision but it's yeah it's a decent signing for me what say you that actually brings me that actually brings me onto a question that we just ended on there though tom which i've actually been asked for uh, asked to talk about on the podcast by a couple of people now actually but uh, and that's the question is um how much is this or should i say should rob edwards be looking at changing uh, the personnel on the pitch in the forward line dropping one of those front feet to accommodate someone to play with a little bit more balance, someone that's maybe more of a attacking midfielder who can play in that position to allow some a little bit more uh, defensive stability, but also some opening some passing lanes up as well to help that kind of possession and, and, and retaining that possession, but in turn losing you know one of that front three. So maybe bring in a Domingos Quina or a Yasser Espria uh, and then open that that pathway and have the the front two may be a little bit more established front two, say Pedro and Saar or Pedro and Dennis, whoever it would be. Is that something that, that Rob should be looking at coming into this game against Burnley? What do you, what do you think, Jordan? Well, I mean, I think there's there's definitely an argument for it. I think especially if you look at the last game too, I thought Dennis was a complete non-factor um, for his time. And I, I think that it, it would not be a, it's a difficult situation because it's hard to drop those players and obviously they've got a lot of quality. Um, and if we have to sacrifice one of them, I suppose. Well, it, yeah, in this situation, that's the thing. And and do you do you kind of see that as a as a potential way to improve the team as a whole, even if you're taking one of the most talented players off the pitch? Now that situation, if you kind of go off some of the reports that we're that are going on today as we're talking now, which I'm sure we'll get into, um, that might be taken out of Rob's hands anyway. But um, the, the argument being for you know, having all three available and making that change to to facilitate. A little bit more balance. I think it's a it's one that's worth considering, especially when you're looking at playing against a, a good team like Burnley. Do you have to get them all? Th- do you have to get all three on the pitch? Is it even worth it if you can't get the ball to them? Uh, and if you base it off the game against West Brom, it's kind of not because whilst we did come away with the draw, we were very fortunate to do so, and we created very little despite having all three available to us. So, what do you think of the, the Hamza Chowdhury signing, Jordan? And do you think that will provide something that we've been missing in these opening couple of games? Potentially, yeah. I think he's. I think the Chowdhury signing looks a lot better to me when Loser's back. Still, um, I, I think him. I, overall, I look at Chowdhury as um, as a defensive midfielder. He's someone that can break up play. He's very aggressive. You know, spends half his time. If you watch any Chowdhury highlights, you'll see he spends half his time on the floor, 
um, kind of covering ground. He does, doesn't he? He loves he loves a diving he challenge. He's got long which, legs, which will suit the championship. Yeah, he's got long legs, and it's not it's not always a reckless dive. But he knows how to use his he knows how to use the length of him, and he, he can get around, and he can he can be successful in those sorts of duels, which obviously is is useful. Um, I do think he's got a better range of passing than Cleverly, and from what we've seen from Kayembe, which maybe isn't saying a ton. Uh, but I think he's used to playing at a higher tempo than what we're playing at. You know, even even at Leicester and, and not starting and so on, he's just been around a, a team that plays at a different tempo to to what we're trying to do or what we've been able to do so far. And I think he's going to be more suited to what we're trying to do. Whether he comes straight into the team, I'm not sure. But I do feel better about the midfield at this point if we were to add him to it. I don't think we see the best out of Chowdhury uh, until we have that that player who's a little bit more energy, um, a little bit of a, a kind of wider passing range that loser brings. Um, someone a little bit hungrier for the ball, then you see the best out of Chadri. I think we shouldn't put too much emphasis on him being the guy to to fix those passing issues. But if you bring him in there, a little bit more quality. You also have um, a right back around him, who or a right wing back around him, who's going to be naturally on that side, looking to looking to get the ball and progress at the pitch. And also some outside centre backs who are more comfortable. Then suddenly the start, the team, the embers of this um, this team start to kind of come through, and you can see where where we can build from. But I think we do need all those elements to come together. Uh, and I'd say that, that Chowdhury is the first part of that kind of puzzle. Mm. Right wing back is definitely somewhere we need to look at. You, you've seen Kamara now for, well, three or four games, actually, if you include the friendlies. But um, for at least two uh, in the league, Tom, uh, are you convinced with with him as a right wing back? Or do you think it's a definite stopgap and that decisions need to be made? quickly i think it's got to be a stopgap or for specific situations where you want to exploit a weakness or exploit something in the opposition against uh sheffield united i was very low down in the lower graham taylor virtually sort of pitch level uh and so being on his side for one half i sort of spent a lot of time watching him specifically and i i thought it worked quite well i thought you know First and foremost, he had an intent to get high and wide and we got him the ball quite a bit, more so than, than Ken Semmer, who seemed to have a general reluctance to get into attacking positions and, and, and ask for the ball. But obviously, you know, it was always into left foot coming inside and that works to an extent if you've then got someone to overlap you. You know, if you're the winger on that side and you drive in, you've got someone to overlap you down the line. But, it, you know... It has its drawbacks, but I thought against, you know, he's just a bit like Dennis, he just wasn't really in the game. I don't think against West Brom, was he? We weren't giving him the service. We didn't have the ball to give him the service. Um, but, you know, he's not 100% comfortable with it either, clearly. Um, so I hope I hope it is very much only a, a stopgap. But I think it, it the bigger thing for me is probably that it speaks, it speaks volumes for the other options or lack of. Um, I'm thinking here chiefly in Gakia, who you know none of us have said should be there, but is a right-sided fallback. Uh, that that we've done this, and you know essentially got stop gaps on both sides because Semmer wouldn't be starting if Kamara was on the left, would he? It would be a non-contest. So, well, you say that, Tom, but um, I think one of the reasons that Rob feels like he's getting away with it at the minute is because of the performances we're seeing from Semmer being of a, a, a decent standard that maybe we didn't expect. I mean... Is he dec- has he been decent? I thought, I, he, I, I thought he got... I, I would say Semmer's had a, a reasonable start. I don't, why, why don't we throw it over to you, Jordan, for the for the, for the, uh, the technical analysis of, of Ken Semmer? Um, I mean, he's a bit of a bulldozer at, at, at left-wing back, left back, isn't he? he? Kind of Against Sheffield United, I thought he got up quite well. Um, he, he gets the ball up the pitch, but it's, it's, what's he necessarily going to do with it? I think I like the... The mobility and the the speed of Kamara a little bit more in that position, and um, I, I thought against West Brom he he was better than Kamara actually, but that was kind of down to the fact that we were having to a defend in the manner that we were. I thought he just did a good job of staying quite tight and and digging in, um, but Kamara was obviously hampered by playing on the right on, on that game. I'd say even more so. So I don't think Ken's been bad, um, and I can see why Rob would like elements of Ken Semmer's game for sure. But I, I still think... For, for me, I feel like Ken Semmer's better going forward than, than Kamara. That's, that's, that's my honest opinion. But um... I think Ken Semmer's only good going forward when he's about four yards from the touchline 
and he has to cut <laughs> the ball back desperately. That's his, that's his like special move in like wrestling terms, isn't it? That's what he does. Like, <laughs> is that his finisher? Is it? Ken's finishing move. Yeah, yeah, yeah exactly. Yeah, yeah. You can tell I'm not into wrestling. I've got the terminology all wrong. But I seriously, I do think that's what he's like. I just pulled up um, Hassan Kamara's touch map from West Brom. One, two, five touches in the opposition half, which mm. I think is indicative also of you know our inability to get a hold of the ball and progress it. But you know, it's yeah. it just can't be a, a long term thing. Whatever Rob Edwards says, and you know, it's probably an element of talking him up, isn't there? And trying to instill that confidence in him. Um, I realise we've moved on to Ken Semmer, but I just wanted to mention that right. as well. Put, pull up Ken Semmer's and have a look at him. <laughs> I, I think the thing was, he actually coped quite well, didn't he, against West Brom, Ken Semmer, even though yeah, they, they were targeting him. Everything came down that side with um, Jed Wallace and um, uh, Darnell Furlong. Everything came down that side from West Brom. I think it was like 46% of the, their attacks or something crazy like that. 45% of their attacks were down that side, 36 down the left and... 19% down the middle but yeah you know when you're being bombarded like that it'd be easy to kind of give up I think and throw in the towel a little bit but I think what was what stood out to me was where they were actually crossing the ball from was quite a shallow position if that makes sense it wasn't like they'd beaten him and got past him and yeah. got to the byline you know it was that kind of um it was kind of the apex of the penalty area quite often. I mean, they had a lot of joy with it. They put some decent balls in from there. But, you know, it wasn't like he got murdered. He just got targeted. But he, he dealt with it, I thought, all things considered. I just, I don't know. If Ken Simmons well, the think, answer, what's the question? I think um, I think, I think, think Kamara on the left. I think uh, The question shouldn't even be whether it's... Um, it shouldn't have to be Ken Semmer starting on the left means that Kamara starts on the right. I think it should be, if we're talking about which one is more suitable, which one's better, I think we just have to be between the two playing left wing back. I think the right wing back simply just has to be a right a right wing back. And yeah, it's fine for a couple of games, but it's the same situation we had uh, last last time in the championship. We started the season without a left back and, and Kika Femenia was playing left left back or left wing back as well. You know, it's someone, someone that can do that, but they're going to be better on their own side. And also, I'd rather have someone on the right who's capable of of doing those things, you know, the strong foot on that side, able to get to the byline, able to carry the ball forward, and and not have to play with that level of awkwardness that you're naturally going to have um, from from playing on your weaker side, um, regardless of kind of Ken Semmer or, or or Camera. I think we just need to have a right sided right wing back as soon as possible. Well, technically, we do have one now, and we got to see him for a few minutes. Uh, against West Bromwich Albion, Mario Gaspar. Mm-hmm. Um, what did you think of him, Jordan? Do you think that he could be the answer or do you think he is going to be needing to be supported in some way by uh, another player? I mean, it could could be the answer, yes. I, I don't think it is. I, I don't think the club see Gaspar as the, the as the solution to right wing back necessarily. I think he'll play there on Friday, most likely. Um, I, I would guess that, but... At the same time, I think that he could be a really useful option in that right centre-back position also. Uh, I think as we talked about, you know, that progression of the ball, you kind of got a different op- a few options of doing so. You could either play that ball forward nice and quick and, and accurately, incisively, or you can help by carrying the ball. And I think I think Gaspar would be a good player at picking up that ball at centre-back, either using his... He's got some quality in possession, but he's actually able to carry the ball and dribble it out the pitch um, and create some space and, and drag some players in to open up some passing lanes. And I think that's an element he could be really useful or a, a factor that he could really bring to the team that would, would help us a lot. So I'd like to see him in, the, in that position. But in the short term, yeah, I think he would he would help. I would, I'd like the look of that that back line a little bit more. And, and also from an offensive standpoint, if you've got someone like Gaspar on the right who can contribute going forwards as well, he, he can be a threat for sure and he can help um, in those more advanced positions. And then you're also allowing Kamara on the left. I, th- I think it adds a lot more balance to the team. And I think at this point, that's just one of the areas we have to address in this, is finding balance as, as quickly as possible. And I think he helps that. Because I think he got, what, uh, he only got 10 touches, you know, made five out of five accurate passes. Um, he carried the ball once successfully, didn't get dribbled past. Um, one, two, one, two ground draws out of two. He, was, he did well, but it was just such a limited, before, you know, it was 13 minutes on the pitch towards the end of the game. Well, perhaps he, he might uh, need to be supported then with a, a second player. There have been speculation, although it's gone very quiet recently, uh, with regards to one Ethan Laird uh, at Man United possibly coming to Watford on alone. Do we know anything about that? Has anything moved? 
Yeah, it's pretty much off. I think. I think. It's, I think it's going to Preston. Yeah, it sounds like it's going to Preston. So, um, yeah. I mean, there's been some conflicting reports as as to why that's happened. Um, so, you know, some say I've had some have said that Rob identified identified and then changed his mind, um, decided it wasn't the player he wanted. Others have said the club were never actually that close to him. It's just a player they were interested in, but there was never any real talks taking place. Uh, so it looks like he's going to Preston to uh, to be a little bit closer to home and and have a loan spell there. So it, it does limit our options. You can, I think the only other player we've really been linked to, which I'm not sure how many concrete links there have been or how much it's been just speculation based on availability and location and an opportunity. But Brooke Norton Cuffey is someone that um, has been discussed. The the Arsenal fullback can play, you know, obviously right wing back. Um, he was on loan at Lincoln City last year and. And did pretty well. He seems to be kind of looking for a loan move this season, 18 years old, and I think it would be one that's worth looking at. But he's the only real name that I've really heard pop around for um, bringing someone in. Obviously, we're looking at homegrown would be ideal as well, and he's someone that fits in that category too. Um, but that's the yeah, that's the only real one I've heard so far. I'm not sure about you guys, if you have anything different. But... Well, if it's the case that Gaspar has been brought in as the direct replacement and there is no other um, you know players that are going to be coming in, does that worry you? Or, or are you, you happy with that? A little bit. I mean, I, I think Gaspar is... Yeah, I mean, well, I don't I don't necessarily like the idea that Gaspar that Gaspar's lost his legs. I don't think that's necessarily true. Um, I just think that he doesn't play with the same... Even as a fullback, when he contributed in forward areas, it was more through his, his technical ability and smart runs, um, supporting a winger more than being that... When, you, when you're playing at wing-back, you've got so much more ground to cover in offensive situations. You've got to be the burst at the field with pace to get advanced and help. It's much different than playing full-back and overlapping or, or underlapping, as um, as Gaspar quite famously did at, at Villarreal, getting in position to shoot and so on. Um, it's a much different job. And whilst he can do it, I think he's capable. I don't think that... I think I prefer over the course of the season, based on how Rob plays, and you look at Forest Green Rovers, how crucial Kane Wilson was, the different sorts of players they occupy that role differently, and I think I'd rather see someone that can that can be a little bit more explosive from that position. As good as I think Gaspar has been, I really am a big fan of Gaspar from his time at Villarreal. I was fortunate enough to watch a fair amount of um, Spanish football over the last few years, and I've, I've really enjoyed Gaspar as a player. I think he's very good, but um, I, I do think his role is potentially there as cover and predominantly elsewhere, uh, or at least as a yeah a cover kind of player for that position so i would still like to see us be active in the market personally tom you've got a colleague who works uh really real is that work you know uh, so he's i guess had to had a chance to look at him a fair bit yeah i'm glad i haven't named this guy because the, i put out his views at the time of the deal going through and it's kind of been taken and run with i've seen the phrase his legs have gone so many times now and maybe other people have said this <laughs> his name Tim yeah that's it yeah, yeah. Um, <laughs> I'm out of them now <laughs> there aren't many Tims at Villarreal so <laughs> if um, if this doesn't prove to be the case then you know the poor bloke would have got bad um... say hello to a new era of mental health care Cerebral is here to help you achieve your mental wellness goals with professional therapy and medication management support 100% online You'll experience the all-new Cerebral Way, an innovative approach to mental wellness designed around you. You'll get a personalized treatment plan from a therapist, prescriber, or both in a safe and judgment-free space. Your Cerebral therapist or prescriber will outline a customized plan with clear milestones along the way, so you can get to feeling your best. With Cerebral, you're not alone in your mental health journey. We're here to empower you to live a fulfilling life. So take that first step towards a brighter future and sign up today at Cerebral.com slash podcast and use code ACAST to get 15% off your first month. Offer only valid on monthly plans. Other exclusions may apply. Offer ends July 31st, 2024. See site for details. I haven't seen him play, so I can't, you know, apart from obviously coming on at West Brom, so I, you know, I don't want to... You've probably seen him play way more than you think you have, to us, Tom. Yes, probably have, to be fair, given given his lack of minutes anyway. Um, look, I don't think it's... Um, I, I, I don't want to, you know, pour scorn on him before I've seen him, so I'm not going to say much. But I, 
equally, you know, we uh, we have signed older players in the past and kind of repurposed them. Marco Cassetti is the one that comes up, you know, kind of nominally signed as a fairly versatile right-sided player, reinvents himself as a centre-half. So maybe, you know, he is that kind of um, ball-playing centre-half, which I think, as Jordan articulated at the top of the show, is something that we need anyway. Um, and we're obviously looking for a left-sided centre-half as well. So... If we can, if we can solve one of two problems with him, then that's that's good enough for me. And you know, you don't play at the level he's played at for a, as long as he has without being decent. Um, you know, in in certain aspects, but I I, I would reasonably assume at thirty two soon is he? Um, you know, you're not expecting to hair up and down the right hand side all day at great pace. So and that was never really his style either, was it? He never really, mm. he never was like a full on burst sort of fullback that. That's going to be right at the pitch and then take you know getting past his his winger straight away. He's someone that you know progressed at the pitch. He could he would make the runs when time permitted, and he played in a in a team which liked to control the ball often in a four three three, getting lots of width, and he comes through in the underlap and and helps add to those attacking numbers. And I think you have to use him in that way. He's not he doesn't mean he's a bad player. It's just it's you know different you know horses for courses kind of thing. So can you play that right back wing position, right wing back position? Yeah, definitely. Is it going to be a little bit different to what we might want week to week? I'd say probably. Um, but I, I do think he has the ability to be one of those players that you do kind of repurpose a little bit and allow him to play in a different position. So you know we're, we're also making some assumptions here and you know making some guesses as to how he'll be deployed. But he, he's got a history of playing centre-back. He's played over a 1,000 minutes of centre-back, which over a long career, granted, but it's not nothing. He's someone that has been seen at being able to do so. How about that left centre-back position then? Are we still in the market for somebody there? Matt Clark is someone who's been mentioned, but it, it, again, it's not something that seems to be moving. I think it's Matt Clark, yeah. Matt Clark apparently is the, the primary target for Rob, the player that he wants. Um, and it sounds as if... Um, it sounds as if Brighton want a permanent we want a loan an option uh, there are other clubs that are also interested I think West Brom um, and one other I can't recall off the top of my head who the other team was um, that are interested in him uh, whether or not they'll put a fee up West Brom probably won't based on their situation uh, but yeah it, that, that seems to be the question it seems to be we're haggling over the fee but apparently the player wants to come we want the player so you know, that might be an eventuality as long as we don't really kind of be too conservative, too careful, and lose out on him due to something you know, relatively minor. That seems to be the guy that Rob wants. If not, there's been talk of Courtney House as well, which um, hasn't seemed to progress. But they're the two options. Because again, we have to really have to really look at that homegrown market, especially when we don't know exactly what's happening with Sarah and Dennis as well. That's the thing with these deals, isn't it? You know, these players, these names that we've not heard progress for a while, and Ethan Laird, I guess, was one of these two guys that are at Premier League clubs who. You know, there's going to be a big market for them if, if they're decent players. Homegrown as well, you know, puts them at a premium. They they can pick and choose, you know. we're not These are not guys that we're taking up off the scrap heap. And equally, you know, Premier League clubs don't necessarily know who's going to be in their 25 or not at this stage. They've got those couple of weeks to, to decide. So, unfortunately, being kind of, you know, second-class citizens, we, we don't necessarily get our... Uh, Get get these deals done as early as we might might have liked previously, might have been able to previously, and mm. and there is you know competition. It's it's a reality of it, but um, I don't think it's a disaster to wait. You know, we are going to know the squad by the first of September, so it's not a disaster to wait another couple of weeks. No, and we um, it also does progress relatively quickly. No one saw. I mean, it took twelve hours for the the Chowdhury thing to progress, and that was how that was done. So you never really know, especially on the domestic stuff. It seems to be a little bit quieter at times. Is there the potential that Chowdhury might have been signed as a centre-back rather than a midfielder? We've seen him play there before. I I think there's the potential that he... I think there's a potential that part of the upside is that he can do that, for sure. Um, but I think given our midfield situation, uh, especially with the you know the injury to Tom Daly Bashiru, as, as it sounds like, regardless of how serious, we, can't, we don't really know exactly how serious, but... It, you'd imagine it'd be for that reason primarily, but it's definitely not a bad thing that he can play there, I'd say. Okay, okay. I just had a little, I had a little check. He's a right footer, one unfortunately, thing... so he couldn't feel the uh, the left the left sided problem, but uh, I just, I just had thought, thought it might have been an option. No, I mean, this, this, uh, yeah, it's the way I think, and you've got to be considering all things in those, in those sorts of situations. Um, and the other link, I'm not sure if you guys have seen, so I'll bring up now just in case you haven't, but uh, there have been quite a few reports today, this afternoon, I've seen on Twitter from various... 
um, accounts that that Leeds are, have agreed a, a price in principle with Watford for Ismail Assar, talking around 15 really? million plus add-ons. For, yeah. Interesting. Yeah, so that's, um, there's a few kind of, you know, relatively big accounts um, in, in the transfer world that are kind of talking about this this deal, um, which I, I think would kind of surprise me. I don't think any of us really thought that the Sar would be off before Dennis if he was to be off at all. Um, but how do you, th- so this is, the, the talk is, you know, relatively low fee. Uh, I think it's 15, 20 million with some potential to rise depending on, you know, appearances or whatever kind of stipulations are in place. But does this then, how much of an impact do you think this, this makes on us keeping Dennis? Do we then just keep Dennis? Or do we also look at that? Because if we, right now, I if mean, we... at the start of the season, we prepared ourselves to lose both, didn't we? We did, but the issue is we're now towards the end of the window, transfer window almost, right? So if you lose, say right now, we lose Ismail Assar or Amanda Dennis. Let's just say Ismail Assar because that's the one that's talked about. If we lose him, then you've got some you've got some flexibility because you can excuse bless you dog if you heard that um, you've got some <laughs> you've got some flexibility right because you can either choose to change shape a little bit in which case you might feel confident on the on the forward numbers even with losing Saar and you could bring in maybe another midfielder or a different position or you could then potentially lose Dennis and Saar in which case you have to bring in a forward so how how confident do you feel on the forward options that you can bring in? Again, you're probably looking at domestic. We talked about domestic players. The the, the main target was Cameron Archer. He's almost definitely staying at Villa. So does this deal allow us to keep Dennis? I think that then becomes the main priority. I, I don't see the club being confident they can get rid of those two players and replace them with any sort of um, relativity in that sense. If it's 50 million, by the way, that... I think it's beneficial for it to be in, two, in, two, in parts because if we're not going to reinvest it this season, financial fair play-wise, with the parachute payments and the other players we've wrapped up, don't forget we've almost made, especially if Ista Pinyan goes to Nottingham Forest, has been talked about too. That seems like good business. We're making between 25 and 30 million before selling those players um, with Samir going as well. That's a lot of money in with parachute payments. Our wages aren't particularly high. We've not spent a large amount. I think having it sectioned out a little bit is actually beneficial rather than receiving one upfront payment because then we're kind of forced into to allocating some of that quite quickly and we might not even want to or feel that we can so i don't hate that it's that but as a total fee 25 million i mean with a year left in this contract after this year that's probably towards the lower end of where we'd expect but probably just about acceptable would you say well it could i mean there's been reports of between 15 20 up front and then additional. oh so. i thought you said 15 Oh, no, no, no. 15. 15 one, five. Oh, fuck. Um, that did seem extremely high, but I was like, all right, fine. It's a good goal um, against West Brom. but Yeah, exactly. exactly. Was it that good? Um, <laughs> oh, I don't know if that's good. It's tricky in there at this stage. Yeah, I mean, I guess it depends how much value you put on the return of the player. I don't know. Well, I mean, whatever way you look at it, we've lost between 10 and 20 million on on that player. Another few back on buyers. That's, that's not great. That's, that's basically another uh, Andre Gray uh, in terms of um, money, isn't it? That we've uh, wasted. Or, 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 I mean, you can't really put it in those in those terms because Saar has um, maybe not performed to the level we wanted him to. But I think arguably you'd have to say he's done better than Mr. Gray. But uh... oh, definitely. So, and in Saar's <laughs> defence, we've had most of, most of the managers we've had since Saar's been here haven't even played wingers. So. He's always found a way to get in the team and he's, uh, yeah, I, I think he's a real asset. I think it'll be an asset to Rob this year. I think Dennis would be more of an asset to us still. But, you know, we still have to consider, I think this is the question we have to ask ourselves and the club are going to be asking themselves, are they thinking that Sarah is a good sale now? Because I think they can they can hang on to him if they want to. Are they thinking, let's move Sarah on and see what we can do with Dennis? We, we, they might feel long-term with, with Sarah's contract running down and Emmanuel Dennis still having four years left in his contract. They might feel that he's the he's this year's version of Saar last time in the championship. Can we keep him, raise his value, and sell him again, or sell him again, or sell him, look to sell him again in the summer, regardless of the situation? Then yeah, maybe that's an option. Uh, maybe that that allows us to keep Dennis around, and I think that probably fits more of Edward's plans. But always seen the the less likely the two to stay up until now. Yeah, it's really so often that's um potentially it's not confirmed it's just it's, yeah it's in, yeah but yeah. you're right I'm, I'm in a quick search on twitter and there's lots of reputable people talking about it which generally is a good sign that 
something is legitimate or not legitimate. Yeah. Um, well, how would that change things for you, Jordan? You mentioned earlier about the potential of um, leaving one of these players out so that Watford could deploy a different system. If Saar does go, that does sort of open up that window of opportunity, doesn't it? Yeah, I think it changes quite quickly. I think we then switched that kind of more three-five-two shape and and go close to what we saw from uh, from members at Forest Green rather than just trying to fit those players in the three-four-three. I think it changes, and I think it might it might be beneficial to the team shape. Obviously, it's not beneficial in a lot of ways to lose Saar, but it, it may allow us some some more flexibility uh, from a tactical perspective. I think. Well, I tell you what, if we do lose him, what a way to go out for a, a fantastic goal. Um, from from the halfway True, yeah. line, I think that needs to mention it itself. It was, it was glorious, wasn't it? And for a brief moment, you were just like, "Wow, okay." Yeah, it was it was spectacular, and that's that is what he's capable of. And we will miss having that that constant threat in games, hundred percent. Yeah, but then at the end of the game, uh, when we were gifted that penalty, uh, which I, I say gifted, it was a it was a definite penalty. He was taken down. The the penalty take from Saar was ah. Oh, it was, it was poor. It was poor. But I think given how unjust the penalty, not the, the penalty decision, but it felt like we didn't deserve the game, I think that softened the blow a little bit. What I will say, though, a couple of decisions or a couple of things around the penalty decision. A, um, Ajay didn't really go to play the ball at all, did he? He kind of leans in and pushes. There's no, his upper body's ahead of his feet. There's no attempt to play the ball. By the left of the law, that's a red card, right? You know, last man penalty, no attempt to play the ball. There's not the double jeopardy rule doesn't apply. It's a it's a red card, which I thought was interesting. The referee didn't get give that decision, or, or the linesman at least alert the referee. Also, was it a penalty on the follow up? Yes, too, it definitely was. I'm pleased you spotted that because nothing was done about it. Jao got there first to at least have a go at, uh, at the rebound, and uh, he was taken out. So that just wiped yeah. out uh, worse than the first one. Yeah, right? absolutely. But you, you very rarely see referees give penalties straight off to giving a penalty. I don't know why that is, but maybe they feel as though, oh, yeah. you know, they, they just got away with it. Like, I'm not giving another one, but... It's one of those yeah. rules. It's one of those unwritten... The same way that a yellow card offence... It's very rare that a, that a yellow card will take place and a tackle will take place the same a second later, which is also a yellow card offence. It's very rare he'll double book. Often players get away with that second yellow yeah. a little bit more than... Yeah, it's, it's a strange one. It, it, I... I really do strongly feel that we should have had a double penalty there, but yeah, I guess um, I guess that's kind of what we have to deal with with the uh, championship referee. Well, what's your opinion season. of the refereeing in the championship, Jordan? It does get a bad reputation, been... but is it is it something that's just ingrained in us to expect that the the refereeing should be of a poorer standard because the the league is a division below the Premier League? I mean, I I think that I have thought that previously, but. Every time I watch a, a championship game, I am surprised. Not every time, that's a bit harsh, but quite often when I watch a championship game, I am surprised at the standard of refereeing. I mean, you've you've refereed games yourself, right, Matt? You've am I right? I have, yeah, yeah, not, yeah, not, you've not, lined, not yeah, you have. Level, but yeah, sure. <laughs> no, but you, but you, but you're at least you, you're maybe more clued into it. And I, I think the standard has been relatively poor last couple of years, especially. What 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 do you think? I think I think that I think the thing that people often say is that the championship, uh, you get away with more um, because the referees are not um, as strict, yeah. maybe? I, I mean, that, that there's a question right there for you. Why is the refereeing standard not the same across yeah. all levels? I mean, I can understand anything below uh, professional, of course. Um, but... Um, the people playing on 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 the pitch are professionals. Why are they not being treated the same by all refereeing? Um, so why are they even not all being uh, given the same decisions that you would get in the Premier League as you would in League Two? What what what? Why are they not all the same? Yeah, it's a fair question. It's like a weird link between like a cultural thing and just like an understanding of those divisions. I guess I'm not sure exactly why that's come about, but. Yeah, it's, yeah. It's you, sh- you shouldn't be able to say that phrase. Oh, you'll get away with more in in this division. It should be. It's going to be the same refereeing throughout. But I mean, I don't understand it. Anyway, interesting yeah, point that's, there. That's, that's, that's my bad bit of refereeing. Um, and then the, the article I just saw was uh, from Football League World. There's been a couple of, of reports now, but 
we were linked previously to um, to Aston Villa striker Keenan Davis, um, and there's another, okay. another report today saying that we're still pursuing that deal. That obviously might be kind of more off the back of the of the Ismail Assad deal. If that was to go through, then perhaps we'd ramp up interest there. But um, so there's 24, 24 year old scored five goals, managed to assist in eighteen appearances with the Reds. Well, uh, continue, continue. Um, well, yeah, okay. So just kind of, they're essentially just re-reporting um, that there's a a likelihood that Watford are going to go back in with an option for a loan. Hopefully, maybe an option to buy um, and kind of look to improve their attacking options, which I think is likely that we do that if we are to move on from Ismail Assar and also still potentially move on from Dennis as well. Interesting. Well, maybe that's the reason why they haven't moved in from them because it felt as though maybe Saar wouldn't be going. But yeah, if, if Saar's yeah. going and, and Keenan Davis is available, probably on a loan. Is that what you're thinking? It wouldn't be a... It sounds like a loan. Um, but again, I'm sure Watford will always in that situation explore um, the loan with an option like we have with Chowdhury just to have that potential get out if we if we don't want to continue or, um, or or we don't have the financial freedom to do so but yeah it I mean it could be it could be signed different who knows but I think there's probably is some interest there because I actually had a couple of days ago there's there's some level of interest look at his contract now it expires in 2024 so you know you're probably talking about a relatively low fee anyway it, it's an interesting one I think um, it, it makes sense that we're that we're looking now I'd say and of course, he would count as homegrown, I think, as well, wouldn't he? So um, that would be switching out one who, who who counts as a foreign player for for a homegrown. So that's good. <laughs> yes, it would. Um, oh, by the way, uh, on the previous pod, um, Tom made a slight error by saying that uh, Aspria and Pedro count as uh, non-homegrown, but they don't because they're under twenty-one, so they are not included in. Um, uh, in in that issue, is that right? That's correct. Yep. Good. So we've we've clarified that now. Um, it's crazy that Jao Pedro is still on the twenty-one. It is crazy, yeah. isn't it? He's he's one that's blossoming into a real talent. Um, yeah, good stuff. Um, I think we're nearly at the end there. We've got uh, a few questions. We asked for a few of your questions. Uh, it's been a little while since we answered uh, questions, so we're going to answer some questions. How many times can I say questions in this uh, next link? One more time, questions. One more time, questions. Okay, all right. First question then uh, is going to be uh, from Matt Gom, who says, "What's happened to TDB? Does anyone know?" Um, well, someone knows, but um, so, we're not. Yeah, I mean, exactly <laughs> sure. But it seems like it's an injury because enough people have said it now, and it's and the club recently at least, have been quite good at shutting down uh, rumours quickly. Have you noticed that? Yeah, they've been trying to with the... Yeah, Scott Ducks will be talking a little bit more. Um, yeah, it sounds like an injury. Um, it's weird there's no confirmation in the club because there have been injury updates given since his absence. Um, so it's odd, but he wasn't at the game yesterday, uh, on Monday at all, whilst other members of the squad who weren't in the matchday squad were at the game so we'd indicate there's an injury um severity we don't know the conversation what originally was the a potential acl that was the fear that was the rumor going around um but now we we're unsure there's also been a, a contradictory rumor saying it's more minor but still potentially relatively serious so still maybe weeks well maybe that's why we haven't heard anything yet because they're still doing the checks and uh, you know yeah upset people unnecessarily um okay so thanks for that one matt actually matt's got a follow-up as well he says what do you think uh do you think it was a mistake making clev's captain matt's basically just been going through my notes yeah. for the show today and uh <laughs> um well we kind of answered that one earlier didn't we but to summarize i think it wasn't a mistake because cleverly is um a very good um candidate for it for captaincy and from what I can tell from what Tom, yourself and I have said, we believe that you can be a captain from the sidelines. Is that Yeah, I think it, it's, it's not with? an issue as long as Edwards is comfortable not playing as captain all the time. But um, He will play this season and it looks like he's going to be a starter at the minute. But um, we agree with you, Matt. There are, there are definite issues yeah. there and um, that, yeah, it needs to be looked at. But um, 
we asked the question and we asked ourselves the question earlier and um yeah that, so that's an answer to that one um question from chris at norden wooter who was one of my favorite ex Watford players hamza looks a good signing but a bit concerned about his lack of football recently any ideas why he fell out of favor uh it's just it's just it's just options um Options available to Leicester, uh, why they're you know, the, the the way they play, um, Chad is not necessarily needed. He's, he's just in the periphery. It's just, it's just a simple case of him not being quite as good as the the players they had at their disposal. So he just didn't get the minutes. It's not that he's a bad player; he's still a good player, uh, and he's still someone that could could do a lot of positive for us. But you look at Leicester's midfield; they've got plenty of options there, and it was just a, a difficult one for him to get. And especially when they don't really play with that out and out defensive midfield necessarily, like um, like Chowdhury likes to be I'd say after Conte went to Chelsea did uh, Chowdhury get more of a look in at Leicester yeah he, he was definitely popping up there was him there was um, there was Amati too wasn't there um, they've, they've also had Ndidi he's played that more defensive position they've had Yuri Tillemans Dewsbury Hall obviously is playing now um, James Madison in more attacking positions so they've just got tons of options honestly Um and it, I think Rogers wants someone that's a little bit different in a different sort of profile. So again, it's not that he's a bad player at all. It's just that he's he's a different style and he's um, he's behind some really good players. I did have a question as well here from Jack, which I think we've covered anyway, but I'll, I'll read out the question just because we've sent it in. Um, is us having Saar, JP and Dennis available actually hindering us? We can't seem to make them tick at the moment. Do you think Edwards will have the drop any of them? Oh. You have to beep that one out. Um, and we kind of covered that. Yeah, you know, we, uh, he might have, but I think there's a good chance that it might be taken out of his hands now anyway. Um, but yeah, thanks for the question, Jack. He sent in a few over the months and listen to the podcast. So appreciate that one. Anything else? That is it, I believe. If you do have a question, get uh, ping it across to us and we'll get it into the next show, um, which should be a bit more regular now after we've all had holidays. Um, let's talk about a few reviews because uh, we've had a couple in and there is also a prize uh, as a giveaway um, we've, we've, we've been donated two lovely prizes um, from an anonymous uh, donor um, they are they are very very nice how do I describe them so it's basically a special Elton John commemorative set uh, and it, in, it includes like this lovely key ring um, uh, and uh, there's like this lovely presentation box that it comes in, and um, there's like a, a, a poster as well, and um, it's very very nice. I believe it was something that was given out to the VIPs uh, at the um, the very recent Elton John concert that was held at Vicarage Road, uh, and um, we've been donated a couple of them to give away to people who uh, get in contact with us uh, and leave us a, a positive review, and and who want who want who wants the. Uh, the stuff of course and you'd have to provide us with your address details and things uh in a separate uh private dm but um if you're interested in being in the hat for that um and also just getting in touch with us and just telling us what you think of the pod uh that would be great so uh let's read out a couple of recent ones um the first one is from south wales hornet five stars is what we've been given he says while away the time as you wait for the time to pass between games what better way to spend your time than listening to the guys dissecting, sorry, not dissecting, discussing all things Watford, whether you want to relive the glory of a victory or need picking up after a defeat, this is the place to visit. Thank you, South no, Wales. That's nice. that's a nice review. Thanks, Dan. So. wonder what part of South Wales, uh, South Wales one is from. Cardiff, maybe, or uh, one of the other places in Wales. I don't <laughs> improved my Wales geography um, right uh, next one comes in uh, next one has been titled Watford Buzz from uh, Rick Dick 2222 amazing pods every week from Matt Jordan and Tom insightful informative and just an all round good listen come on you horns which is that's lovely thank you very much um, fantastic we do love uh, getting these reviews in uh, they uh, if anything make us feel good about ourselves that we're actually uh talking to somebody and it's not just us um talking to each other, talking to ourselves for uh, not just saying this out into the ether yeah exactly um we, we, yeah, we get a fair few listens as well you know it, it, it's uh it's increases every every week we get a few more um yeah so it's lovely thank you very much if you want to uh send us one of those basically go to the apple podcast section roll down to the bottom 
uh, give us a rating out of five uh, and tell us uh, what you think of the show. There are other ways as well. I think I think you can do it on Spotify, can you? I'll tell you what, if you if you happen to listen to us on Spotify, tell, tell us if it's possible to review us. Give us a go. Yeah, try and give us a review and see what happens. Right, anyway, um, I need to stop because I'm just going to carry on talking. Um, thanks very much for, for listening. Um, there'll be another one coming probably quite soon now because there's a game on Friday. Um, quick build up to that one, Jordan. Um, likely to be a change, you think? You think Mario Gaspar might come in? Uh, yeah, I think Mario Gaspar might come in. Um, potentially, yeah. Uh, I think we might see, I mean, now with the with the information in, in mind of, of, of Chowdhury coming in, that also might be a factor as well. If you, quick shameless plug here, if you do happen to be looking for some pre-match content, I hate the word content, but for lack of a better term, we'll go with it. Uh, I posted an opposition breakdown of Burnley. Uh, we talk, I'll talk about the upcoming opponent in Burnley, but also how we might look to try and come away from Vicarage Road with the second win of the season, successive games at home. Uh, and we can find out a little bit more over there. So go to the Watford Analytics YouTube channel to check that out and look on my Twitter page to find it if you can't on YouTube and that should be a, a, a good way to get an understanding or at least potential understanding of what we might look like come Friday absolutely fantastic videos I enjoy them very much it gives you the opportunity to see as uh, as well as listen which oh, well, thank you we for can't, watching we can't, we, we can't do that unless Not you can yet. see what we're talking about through our lovely lovely way we paint pictures we articulate so well paints a lovely picture <laughs> So that's all we have time for. Um, thanks again for listening and um, look out for the next one coming very soon. Uh, I've been Matt. Uh, Jordan's been Jordan. Tom's been Tom. Uh, we've been the Watford Buzz. And uh, we'll, we'll see you next time. Bye-bye. Look forward to it. Bye-bye for now.